Coming to you from the heart in the Northwest, where truly seven out of 10 queers prefer flannel. It's the Queer Centric with your host, Queerly Johnny. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Queer Centric. We know you wait all week to check out who's in. We're calling it the salon now. Everybody on board? Ooh, this is yes. the salon. You're I'm in the salon. The salon. See? I love it. Yeah. I know. And there's going to be a whole campaign, commercials. You just wait. It's going to be a good thing. But you wait all week to find out who is going to be in the salon with us. And what are we going to talk about? It's going to get weird. I'm just going to warn everybody right now. Because uh, we've already had some good pre 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 uh, conversation foreplay i think is what we call a it a little foreplay yeah. yeah see but foreplay belongs in the saloon i thought we had decided that we were the salon <laughs> i know we're the salon yeah anything. with foreplay we have to be the saloon anything happens in us in a salon we we don't even know <laughs> so i got old over the weekend just so everybody knows um i went to and i decided to spend my birthday in seattle now it's been an interesting conversation so far i'm going to we're going to introduce these guests a little later but i'm going to do a little poll because first of all Hunter, you lived there for I a little did. bit. You have, so you have some opinions, and I want to know first. So living there wasn't your thing, but so does it leave a bad taste in your mouth, or do you visit and that's okay? I love visiting Seattle, and I will continue to love visiting Seattle. The things that you love about Seattle are visit worthy. Go, enjoy, <laughs> go for a week, even two. The city is excellent at tricking you into believing it has good weather. <laughs> Yes, if you pick the right time, you're right. If you're you like, don't oh, live the... in Seattle, the weather is beautiful. Yes. You're not aware that it can actually rain for 94 days straight. Yeah, it that's why I couldn't seem live possible. There. No, and it does. And it, I heard it's supposed to be wet, wetter this year. And I was like, I lived there when I was a, a sophomore in high school, and I couldn't do it. it was Did we too fall depressing. into the Puget Sound? What do you mean wetter? I, I'm telling you, they're <laughs> saying they expect more rain. I'm like, but it rains all the time. But lately, they've had 90 degree summers. I remember, you know what I, mean? I remember a meme. It was the number of sunny days above 72 degrees yeah. from May. And they start measuring in May, and they roll out, out this statistic in July or August to make yeah. us feel terrible. <laughs> the average is usually around 70 to 100 days in that time period. So not unreasonable. Yeah. How many days do you think we had this year? Oh, I would think it would be because it's been a weird year. Mm -hmm. We had two. Oh, God. What? Two. It was the two days I was there. It was. See? It, it tricked, tricked you. It tricked me. <laughs> Seattle's so clever. Ian, what are your opinions on the Seattle area? Seattle, just for, for the record, we, we love you. We do, so don't stop listening. But I do love Seattle. <laughs> I love going there. I just will leave when it begins to yeah, rain for right. longer than 10 days at a time. I mean, so you can't stay So after 10 days. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, so I actually grew up in Seattle. Well, Seattle you suburbs. Did. I was just to well, clarify, because if, if you actually know what the cities are, I did not grow up in Seattle proper. Right. <laughs> so. But everything about Seattle is in the suburbs. <laughs> Because you go downtown for certain things, but they have such great suburbs. I, so, was, I was a Capitol Hill gay. That meant that I only actually uh, walked 1.6 miles because outside of yes, that, you're in like yeah. Volunteer Park or something, which isn't Capitol really Capitol Hills. Hill anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> so did you like it then? But you're I, in Spokane. Right? I mean, ish. Like, I, yeah, I'm willingly I, living in Spokane, ish. and I go back to visit family, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> See, I, I, have friend, I have a ton of friends over there. I enjoy seeing them. And I like it when they, I was only there for two days. So it was the perfect two days, mm -hmm. uh, blue skies. And I just love that randomly, I was out with my friend. We randomly stumbled across a, an Italian festival. I didn't know what was happening. I, there were just a bunch of older guys with bocce balls and they were very upset about it. 
And it was so... <laughs> and then there's Italian food and some ladies doing a, a television show on how to, how to uh, fold deli meat so it looks like a rose, which I was Uh-oh. uncomfortable with. But I stayed for a little bit, and then my friend Nathan and I got a little too immature, so we had to leave. I want to dig <laughs> into this more. You were uncomfortable by rose-shaped deli meat, or was I it was. the Italian were they teaching woman you to fold your own deli no, meat? No, she or? was okay. Okay. I mean, and it's so weird. They didn't have a monitor. Like, they didn't have a camera to show what she was doing, so you just had this gigantic mirror. <laughs> so you could. So the whole situation, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I think about this. But where else am I going to randomly, accidentally just find a bunch? And I like my Italian... Men, I do. And so where else are you going to go? I know, it's really good. Uh, you're not going to find that anywhere else. So I love that. I, I put it in the notes. I got to tour the new KEPX. So amazing. Like, I can't. Like, it's so amazing. It's everything a radio station, an indie station should be because they built a new building. They have a coffee shop, a record store, all these things as you can watch the shows kind of like here through a window live. Mm. I'm just like, what is happening to my life right now? The it was being so the local cool. street people, or did you mean paid performers? <laughs> no, actual people. That's amazing. I'm Isn't, so happy about that. I know, me too. I loved it. And then, so you could watch a live show, or they'll have a guest band cool. in, and and it could be Pearl Jam one day. It you never know who shows up, and then you can go and watch that in the other. It's a it's like Amsterdam light, you know, just people selling their wares in the in the windows. It was pretty good, pretty good. So it was, so I made my birthday. Oh, also, okay, not done. <laughs> I made my friend go to Diesel, which is one of the bear bars on Capitol Hill. Hill. I can't speak on Capitol Her. <laughs> on Capitol Hill. And he, I'm not used to, I'm a bear. I don't care. It's, I just want to go have a beer with guys who will look a at me. A bear with a beer? Yeah, a bear, bear with a bear. And he was so afraid to walk into that bear bar. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, First of all, girl, really, you think you're all that. You got, bears are going to kidnap you, and you're going to be, <laughs> no, let's just go have a good time. But it was so much fun. It rem- reminded me like I was 20 again. And in my mind, I am. 20-year-old so, 20 20 in the bars? In the, well, listen, I had a sketchy past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard coming out in my world. Very, very difficult. Different times, but different I, times. I know. But as you get older, we're going to talk about aging in the gay world. You guys are a lot younger than I am, but I do... It's a good uh, kind of thing to talk about. Tom is a lot. Well, you always look younger than you are. Oh, you're like uh, thank 52, you. right? Just about. Then, get, yeah, I mean, that's what I, that's I, I tell people that. But it changes as you get older. I don't. I have not been in a gay bar in too long, in years, and it's a different experience when you go in there. Because I don't know. Because I did that in my 20s. Capitol Hill was the place you went because. I lived in, my dad was a Baptist minister, you know, so you, it was a great way to escape. Now I appreciate Capitol Hill for totally different reasons. You know what I mean? Totally. A, well, I love that our two guests are just looking at me like, well, and the there's a different, fuck? there's a different craft <laughs> for uh, cruising, you know, then versus now. There's a different, really cra- well, means. yeah, back then you found an alley because you were afraid you'd be, yeah, not worth it, but. I think I'm just still stuck back on the comment of your friend being afraid to go into the bear bar because (laughs) you think that that was like, you know, an accident, but you've never been a twink at Diesel. (laughs) And let me tell you, they absolutely will kidnap you. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you, you who has, uh, I just want to say, who put up an ad campaign that said, support me. I, 
I don't look good enough to do an OnlyFans. And I was like, okay, girl. Uh-uh. Well, it's yeah. not very professional for me to send them to my OnlyFans link. Now, I, I mean, right? You, no, if you find it, you find it. And you were looking and it's not my problem. But that's a two completely different group of people, clientele that you get you get from that. Also, you, you never identified which member of the menagerie your friend is. Uh, not here. Nathan, who is uh, uh, my... We were roommates before and he's our uh, oh, film critic yeah. on on our show on our website and I adore him. Um, but yeah, but he's an Oklahoma that, now gay. Now that you, now that you've told me that I, it totally makes sense that he'd be afraid. Yeah. He yeah. cracks an Oklahoma gay to yeah. Capitol Hill and you're making fun of him for being afraid of diesel. You're just cruel. <laughs> I am cruel. And he knows I love making him uncomfortable. I love Nathan. He's hilarious. Oklahoma yeah. gays are like Seattle Republicans. Oh, oh. Mm. Afraid, yeah, afraid yeah, to yeah. show their no. face. No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he has this really low voice. And he, he's a man of few words. And I had a dog when I lived with him. And every time he would come home from work, he'd just be like, hey, dog. And then he <laughs> hey would dog. just go. That's just Nathan. And that's my favorite part about Nathan. But anyways, that's fun. So uh, as we talk about, I did all of those for my birthday. I, and as I get older, do things to celebrate. You know what I mean? Do things that you don't like. No, there's no reason to be depressed or whatever. Who cares? We all get older. And so that was perfect for me. What, what Ian, what would be your the way you choose to celebrate your birthday? Ooh. I mean, my last birthday, I just did trivia uh, at nine here in Spokane oh, nice. with friends, which is really fun. Um, and then it's when you get when you're known by enough staff members, I show up and there's already like balloons on my table oh, and awesome. all that kind of stuff, which is always great. Um I just I like to spread out my birthday, so I'd never want to do something that's just like go hard and then right. hate yourself for the next three days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's painful. So yes. I like, like to spread it out, see lots of people, have some fun. See, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Friends are good. You guys can tell me what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, uh, Jonathan, the most popular gay in town. No I friends. Well, no me, friends so. at all. Oh, is me. It's so rough. It's so rough. What about you, Hunter? So what do you like to do? I'm the proverbial planner of my family. And so naturally when my birthday comes around, I don't want to do anything because everyone mm. asks, what are we doing? And it's your birthday. You shouldn't have to. But they ask in such a way that's like, so you've planned every other shred of our life this year. Why not this day? <laughs> and the short answer is because I'm not fucking going to. If I need to plan my own birthday, guess what? I am alone. I am in the steam room of the Spokane Club. No one can find me because I might be in the library. Now everybody can find you. I know. It's because I've just lied to you and I'm actually hiding in Tahiti. (laughs) If anyone wants to plan a birthday, I'm happy to participate. It sounds great. I love parties. I'm not so fussed on it being my birthday. You know, yeah. that day will come and go. I turned 25 a few years ago and gay men turn into a puddle of, you know, glitter it's after true. 26. It's and true. so I'm not interested in celebrating any others. I will yeah. be 25 for the rest of my life. Maybe I'll be 35 once I get a little bit of gray and, you know, salt and pepper. That You're way never, I'm not It'll just suddenly jump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be that. Round to the nearest five. It's kind of like Asian people, how they're, they're 40 until they're 82 and then they're That's like wizened Yoda and it just so happens in the blink of an eye. That'll so be And then me. they still look 60 somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They still somehow look 60 even though they're yeah. 312. It's true. It's that Mediterranean diet. That's what I was told. So that's what I'm trying. So we'll see. Wow. But I agree with you. So this is so I am stopping in Wenatchee where my family lives before I go to Seattle. And I call my mom. I'm like, I want to take you to dinner for my birthday. I want to do this. I want to spend time with you. Where would you like to go? And this is how my family works. They're like, uh, I don't know. Where do you think we should go? I don't live there. I don't know <laughs> if I need to remind you. I I have no idea what's going on in Wenatchee. Don't need to know. Just tell me where you want to go. She can't make a decision, so I have to call my brother. Just name a restaurant you think I should go to. Because that's how it is in my family. There are planners, and there's four of us kids. 
there are planners, and then there are people who the rest want to be planned for. I am mm. a control freak, so I am a planner. I think in a post-COVID society, too, people are less willing to make choices and decisions because they're almost worried that some bad thing might fly out of the ethos and yeah. attack them. Like the anxiety And then they'll be held responsible. Real, and then they'll yeah. be held responsible. And so I found myself at my friend's 21st birthday party. We flew down to Las Vegas. Everyone was too drunk by dinner to be... <laughs> logical about their their ordering and i felt that this was not hard we had a wonderful italian waiter you would have loved him he was beautiful who wanted nothing more than to serve these 14 outrageous young people (laughs) and i'm sitting here the the 28 year old the ancient one in the group saying how can i help dead i i have to tell you you've never felt so old as a 28 year old at a 21 year old basically and so Suddenly, they're looking around going, well, I don't know. I can't pick from this food. And I stand up and I go, what kind of food do you like? And I just go around the table and they describe how they feel about food. And I turn <laughs> and I go, sir, we're celebrating her birthday. This is what we need. I need yes. six taglatellis, 14 yokis. I need three of these. And he just looked at me and goes, that was beautiful. And I She's go, saying? I'm not having any fun. Neither are they. Bring us the food and the yes. drink and let us continue. That is exactly right. <laughs> See, I'm with you too. When I, I, my, I, my least favorite thing is when you want to go to dinner with a friend. And they're like, oh, and they can't decide at all. So oh, I play they, a game they where say, I'm like, you I'm going to name and you. And you say, how about Chinese? And they go, yes. mm, not that. Well, how about See? Mexican? Too exactly. spicy. Well, I always American? play the I same, don't like it. <laughs> the same game. I'm like, I'm going to give you three different cuisines that I enjoy. You narrow it down or pick one. Then we're good. I get very you angry. Take uh, it out of there. I, I get very angry when I, I'm with a group of people who can't make a decision. I make a decision. We start heading that place and they say... <laughs> Well, and I say, no, 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 well, nope. We talked about it for 20 minutes. Yep. You couldn't make up your mind. We're no doing returns, this. no exchanges. And they're like, but I don't know if I want, I'm like, I don't care what you want at this point. You're going to get something you find tolerable exactly. at this place and you're going to live with it. Yeah. yeah. And if in the future you would like to be in charge of it, then go for it. Or then make it won't be tolerable and you'll be unhappy and we'll still have made a decision and you'll pick better next they time. They serve yes. alcohol here. Just get a drink too. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, enjoy the company. In the end, enjoy the company. That's the point. It yeah. doesn't matter about the rest of it. Something else. Okay. We're going to move forward. Something okay before we talk about this, we talked about Jonathan's birthday. Probably, no, there's one more piece. Oh, Um, but before we do that, I feel like people should know who they've been hearing on the microphones. Oh, Fitzroy, I am mortally bored. Uh, Shall I call the Justaman? Oh, no, no, I sent him out to pasture. Uh, I may have a suggestion, but I don't want to be sent out to pasture. Oh, just speak. I'm too depressed to banish the one person I can tolerate. Well, you like to talk, sometimes, with other people. Talk faster, Fitzroy. I hear the pasture calling. Well, what if we had a salon, or or guests, I mean. Specific people picked for their humor or intelligence. People you would find entertaining and fascinating. A salon? Hand-picked, you say? Designed, if you will, for the height of entertainment, wit, and conversation. Ooh, we could host weekly. Yes, Mum, if it's your wish. Oh, Fitzroy, it is my wish. Aren't you the clever one? Thinking like that will keep you out of that pasture. <laughs> well, thank you, Mum. Open up the salon, dust off the furniture. Ooh, who will come? Who, indeed? You are a queer little man. Throw me a queer salon. That is precisely the plan. The Queer Centric opens its salon every Tuesday at www.thequeercentric.com. Listen and find out what charming guests might arrive. The salon is open. We are just waiting for you. All accents are terrible and inconsistent. It's part of our charm. 
introduce yourself and, and give as much or as little info about you guys. Uh, that's completely up to you. Like we never give titles in our advertising. I want it to be however you want to, however you want to bring yourself today. So, but the Hunter, air of mystery here is so great. I can't just be artist formerly known as. I mean, you could be. You can be that's, whatever that's, you want in this. That's salon. your prerogative. Yeah, Ooh. anything you Ooh. want. But you know, you can state your name and not say you say whatever you want. Where would I be without a shameless real estate plug, Jonathan? This you, is, listen, I, it's welcome here. Now's the time. I, I appreciate it. So I'm Hunter McKay. I am the CEO of McKay Group at EXP, a local real estate and mortgage brokerage. And uh, or, uh, really, McKay is just the real estate brokerage, but we are also partners with Mode Capital Mortgage, which is the oh, mortgage yeah. company. And uh, we're licensed in Washington, Idaho, and California. And, and we, we're going to be talking to you in a little bit because I want to talk about the state of you know, how are things and, and should we be worried and how do we protect our money as queer people and all of the good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you basically never stop. I watch all the time and I'm like, I'm amazed. You took, we both worked for uh, one realtor and I love what you did with starting in there. You know what I did? Went the other way. Just ran. You just and then, ran, <laughs> ran far, far And away. I adore her and I still talk to her, but it's better. It's, it's better as friends. We we are great friends. I, mm. I love Maria and mm -hmm. I still make fun of her. I go, you know, it's it's so easy to make fun of her because she leaves the door wide open, but yes. she is truly one of the most phenomenal people that's oh alive my God. today. I mean, the, just a beautiful heart, a beautiful person. I, that woman... I just, she's so supportive of all of her assistants through the years. I remember meeting you because Maria is the head, of course, of the uh, Spokane Humane Society. They throw a big event, the furball every year. And I had, and she always is great. She wants. Furball was 50% of my job. I oh, joke that real. she didn't need a real estate assistant. Maria no. needed a keeper because yeah. Maria likes to do so many things. So Maria many things. can be 12 she, real estate brokers before and lunch. she's <laughs> passionate, passionate about it all. So she, I show up. You get dressed all up to the nines, and all of a sudden, I see this woman running towards me, and I'm like, and it's Maria, and I could tell, wait, she's on a mission. This could be very scary. She's gonna and say she takes something me, is on fire. Yeah, she, gonna, she takes me by the arm, and she goes, Jonathan, my new assistant is here. Please do not tell him stories. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I said, I can't wait to meet him. Stop giving me stories. <laughs> so, but she, she cares so much, but she's intense, and that's when I met you, and I was like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, you can you can tell within ten paces of a new assistant if they're they're cut out to make it mm -hmm. or not. Yeah, love you, Maria. I think I'm still her longest standing assistant. How long did you? Make That's that? not true. So I actually trained her longest standing assistant. I thought I the made new it, one. I made it a full year. Yes, and I did too. That so, was my goal. Right, and I stayed 13 months because I needed See, to beat I you. I only stayed one year. Right, and so I went the 13th month, and then I trained Tony, and Tony stuck oh, with her for almost two years. Yeah. Tony only quit because, frankly, she never needed the job in the first place. Yeah. She yeah. has a new one. I haven't met her. I don't know. This is what I love this, this is gossip. horrible. Maria should never hear this show, but I wanted to tell <laughs> one of them once, um, don't tell me your name, just wear a jersey because you're just a number to me. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that that's so true. I remember when Barb, the front desk person, told me that I was the first person who she actually learned the name of in the first month because she knew that I would stay, nice. and and that I had stopped all of the yelling upstairs. And I yeah. went, yelling. "Oh yeah, who yells? Yeah. I don't have time no. for yelling." This is what I always <laughs> tell people: she is a very passionate French woman, and that's what's amazing about her. So I'll just leave it there. She loves dogs and her clients. It's oh, just, my God. She you know. loves dogs. Anytime something happens, I'll call her. Like so a dog was hit the other day and my friend called and said, what do I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, you know, see if the dog's alive. Let's go mm -hmm. help him out. I called Maria and she's like, I just love how 
big of a heart you guys have. And, she, you know, she tells you anything she knows. I'm like, I love this woman. She has a beacon for animals, though, because yeah. I, when I worked for her that whole year, every month an animal would find me. I called myself Dr. Doolittle because <laughs> we would wander outside. And it was like I, I could be miles away from civilization. And a little Pomeranian would wander up to me with Aww. no tags and just go, are you my father? And I go, <laughs> you're adorable and you're going to get eaten by wolves. And so I'm yes. taking you home. And yeah. we re- we actually found the owner 12 out of 13 times. The 13th dog, I found it out in Airway Heights that I had to rehome it because I couldn't yeah. locate its owner. But when I quit working for Maria, I never found another stray animal again. See, working she for has her, that energy. It's, it's just this or energy of like dogs will locate her yeah. to say, please rescue me. And I know. She's she so will good. rescue them. Both <laughs> of my dogs, my, my most recent dog and then a dog I had forever and then he passed away. Um, she's the reason I had them both. It was all her. She made, and I'm like, oh, and I, they've been a great connection, let me tell you. Um, okay, so. You didn't introduce our other Hunter, guest. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm going to say, so that was Hunter McKay. Uh, if you need real estate, you know where to go. And now, sir, in Hello. the other seat. <laughs> uh, my name is Ian Sullivan. I use he, him pronouns. I work in the nonprofit sector, uh, mostly with youth. Uh, avoiding specifics so I can talk as myself today. Yes, you deserve to do <laughs> um, that. I am a Seattle transplant, but it happened many moons ago, so I yeah. definitely consider uh, Spokane, my chosen kind of adult era home. Oh, nice. Um, been and you're a man about town. Uh, yeah, a little, little, bit, little a, bit here, there, and everywhere. You have a ton of friends, <laughs> and I'm sad about it, because as we, as we established, I have none. None yeah, whatsoever. Sure. Okay. Do you hear that quiet music in the background? I think it's Beethoven. Oh, right? It's very sad. I think see. that's an A-sharp chord. <laughs> if I edit this uh, one, I'll make sure we'll to add see. something. Weeping. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. weeping. See, you have to... It's the mystery. They need to believe that I'm a loner in a room smoking cigarettes. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and part, I, part of what I also want to talk about when we talked about the industry is there's two parts that come <laughs> Sorry, to... Sorry, the cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> two parts in this world that cause a healthy environment, and that mm-hmm. is... Uh, can we as queer people continue to give? And you, of course, are going to know that a lot. And then how are we financially looking as we look to the future? So mm. we will get to that point. But before, I did one more thing on my birthday. I did a lot. <laughs> uh, have, have you guys heard of the movie Don't Worry, Darling? I've heard of it. I've not seen... It doesn't sound like it's about real estate, so it flew right no, over my head. Right, just no. <laughs> it's Harry, uh, Harry Styles, um, oh. uh, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, it has been getting a lot of flack. I saw it opening weekend. All I want to say, because as my um, a film critic and I were talking, he was like, you can't say anything about this movie. First of all, I'm just going to say this to everybody and everybody in this room. Go see this movie. <laughs> it, it felt like Hollywood treated me like a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Because it's been a long time before you know a superhero was in front of my face at the theater. This movie is brilliant. And 90% of critics hate it. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't consider myself completely stupid. I Do mean, you can't tell. because they hate Harry Styles? Or... Well, there's enough other people. Like, it's an, a Chris Pine is in it. Like, hmm. daddy, yeah. And, so, and Olivia Wilde directed it. It's her second uh, movie to be directed. By the way, I do uh, picture you just saying that in the theater when he oh, first yeah. appeared on screen. When he, when he first came on, he lifted his arm and his shirt went up. And I was like, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and Nathan. Nathan will never admit it, but that's what's happened. So it has this strong cast. It is, I have not seen a movie like it in a very, very long time, like decades. Um, I just want to encourage everybody to just disregard the critics 
and go see this movie because first of all, the reason I'm talking about it is because we talked about Harry Styles a few weeks ago because the whole concept of queer baiting Mm. was this big thing. And this is what I find interesting. So this movie has been released. He did an interview with Rolling Stone and he said that, and I think it is legit to say this. He said, here's the thing. I've never publicly shared my dating life or my sexuality. I've never done that. This is based on what people assume is happening. So they're saying you're a straight guy trying to make, that's never been my thing. I want to be an artist who, and that's legit in my opinion. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, it, it, it's very strange that we want to have everybody be, you know, feel comfortable in their own skin and maybe not even <laughs> feel like they have to come out or have yeah. to define themselves or put themselves in a box. But then if you don't, you're gonna see you're gonna see the backlash right. from that. It's, and it's, then, yeah, and then we we almost it becomes this uh, this cyclical thing, this uh, gaslighting where we're telling them what the truth is, even though we just made that truth up. People, we just decided that you have been, and when yeah. not one time has he ever come out and said, "This is who I'm dating." This is you followed me, you took pictures, you decided, and. Bisexuality, he's never discussed it. What he said is he doesn't think it needs to be a thing. He doesn't think labels need to happen. So I think they need to maybe cut some slack here. He does solid work, and he's never... All he's done is say, queer community, I embrace you. That's great. Um, he's. It's never been, in my opinion, because I think queer baiting has to do with intention. Queer baiting's been around since, you know, the 40s. So it's nothing new, and agents are going to want you to do this anyways. And they're going to tell you, we need that crew spending money on us, but please uh, don't be too gay. Right. Uh, because then I can't market you. It's a whole weird, back word way to do Hollywood. But this is, I think this is the real story in queer baiting. First of all, know your people. Second of all, don't make judgments based on something that has never been said. And let artists be artists, because you'd be pissed if they weren't in. You'll buy his albums, but he's not allowed to act. You'll, you know what I mean? I don't understand that part of it. I think it comes down to people liking to have their expectations met. And this mm. goes for any topic. You know, yeah. I, I took a thought course once called Landmark, and it's, it's a study of oh, ontology. Yeah. And it really kind of talks about, it doesn't matter how you feel about things. It, it matters what is. And frequently we develop our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings around what we think is, not necessarily what actually is. Yeah. But when we're met with the realization that there's a, a delta, a difference, a space between what is and what we expect is, yeah. we freak out. We absolutely melt down. And it yeah. doesn't matter if it's like, I expected the podcast to start at 5 and it ended at 5.05. Like, right. if they were expecting something and we were yeah. late, yeah. someone who has a, a need for surety around time is going to lose their damn mind. Right. The right. people who are expressing offense or saying queer baiting, they had an expectation that's being missed. And fair or unfair, it exists. Yeah. And they're stating rather poorly my expectation was missed how dare you you know and so even though it's not even based on fact it doesn't matter no our expectations are rarely based on fact yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's just i think acknowledging and knowing that that's where people are coming from but you're exactly right he he has very clearly dictated 
what is and isn't for him, yeah. we made up a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're pissed that it's not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get mad because <laughs> uh, Billy Porter's so mad at him because he got the cover of Vanity Fair and got to wear a dress on the cover. And he, Billy Porter, turned it oh, into this yeah. big into this I'm big I'm the thing one that of, wears dresses. It's yes. Like, and how dare the straight guy? Well, there again, here's all of our assumption. What he wore, so he also has a, another movie uh, coming out, uh, My Soldier, right? I think is what it's called. Ooh, it comes know. out in like a week. And he plays a uh, homosexual man way back in, in the 40s. And when he, what he wore to that premiere, I thought was great. He doesn't care about gender like lines. And so he had a purse with these beautiful green pants and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden people are up in arms again, because how dare you? It's, do you know what, with so much going on in this world, it's such a waste of energy. I don't, it's the same argument we, we, or it's the same analogy we make when people are prejudiced and they say, Oh, you're going out on a path that doesn't look like mine. I would feel much better if you brought your path over here. It's the same thing on a flip side of a coin. I think it shows our privilege, really. I mean, if we're going to be fussing about what one person's wearing versus the other and what, what pronouns they decide yeah. they want to make public or what you know yeah. what their identity is versus what we think it is, I mean, we're lucky that we get to have those little nitpicks about people versus other countries where all they really want to do is be able to kiss yeah. someone and not be killed exactly. for it. So, it, I mean, I'm, I'm really kind of bringing things down, yeah. but in, I mean, it is, it is showing our privilege and how... Yeah maybe we've gotten too comfortable. I don't know. Yeah, it, no, don't know. it's legit, especially with these conversations. I'm just like, uh, can we talk about how in Britain right now, they're looking at a winter where they could have 6,000. It's not a dollar. Uh, pounds? <laughs> pounds. 6,000 6, <laughs> pound bills for energy right. because of what's going down in that country. Maybe that's something we should be talking about and not Harry Styles, how dare you wear a dress? Well, and even specific identity is not stagnant. Thank you. So it's like, I think about this and I saw a lot of stuff with the Heartstopper cast as well on how I think there is a mix of um, trans or non-binary and cis folks and queer or non-queer folks, et cetera. But they're forcing folks, if they haven't already, to come out and calling them out if they aren't playing the same orientation that they are themselves yeah. and it's baloney that's strange um, yeah especially because all almost the entire cast is under the age of like 21 I was tell like, us who you are and, and yeah like yeah tell like, us everything about who and you are and be sure about it and it don't out. change your mind exactly. at all in the next exactly. five years <laughs> and why shouldn't we live in a society where finding ourselves and and it's uh, it's up to us anyway so if i tell you this is how i identify this where i feel comfortable i can change it in you know two days and our only answer should be, thank you, I understand. I don't care. And it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a thing. Everything we do is construct. Everything. Mm-hmm. I just watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy last night that I found really entertaining because Owen Hunt, the you know, trauma surgeon extraordinaire who you expect to be conservative as all get out, is actually the progressive parent because he's been fostering this child, Leo, who cisgendered boy identifies seemingly as a girl throughout the whole show. There's no real direct talking about it other than Leo shows up in a dress, Leo's hair gets longer, Leo wears Barbie clothes, you know? And so you think that we're pulling towards this conversation, but then one day as Leo's being dropped off for class, uh, Leo goes, I'm a girl. And Altman, his mother, freaks out and goes, no, you're dressed as a girl. And Leo goes, no, I am a girl. And Owen just shepherds the the girl, boy, whoever he is that day, off and says... Did we get mad when he was an owl? Last week he was an owl. That's a Did we try to convince statement. him that he wasn't an owl? Mm-hmm. And Altman goes, no, but he's obviously a boy. And he goes, great, today he wants to be a girl, and tomorrow he might want to be a ninja, and I will love him, and I will not be my child's Aww. first bully. 
And you sit there and you're like, wow, this is so great. But it's so interesting watching everyone yeah. in the show yeah. grapple with this. And you're like, yeah, why can't we just change our identity yeah. depending and on how we And why is it so important for someone else to have any opinion of what... That's, you know, that's infuriating. In the next episode, it winds up tracking Altman through her therapy. And it's yeah. really funny as the therapist is saying, who cares? Yeah. Let let them be a girl today and a yeah. boy tomorrow and a them tomorrow. Who cares? Our and only goes, job well, is I don't like love. ambiguity. And then it comes out. It's like, oh, you don't like ambiguity. Yeah. Your expectations are being missed because the certainty bug that you have is not being pressed exactly. by your child. Exactly. Love your child. Yeah. Whomever they show up as that yeah. day. It's comfort zone. I feel comfortable if I understand the world around me. But how much do you get out of something that is not everything the way you would want it to be? You know what I mean? And I get it. It's human. Uh, it's human for us to do that. But it's also our duty to go beyond that humanity and be better. Be better. That's all I'm saying. You know it's what I so mean? It's so hard, Jonathan. Be it better. is. I know. I, I know. I don't meet it every day for sure. Wasn't that but, Melania Trump's tagline? Yeah, I'm reclaiming <laughs> no. it. Thank be you, better. Ian. Be best. Oh, there <laughs> that we go. Was be best. There be we best. go. See? Already you're, you're better. You're safe. You're right? good. You're good. We're going to so. reclaim what it should be. <laughs> should be here. But all of, I, I love that that all came from saying, go see Don't Worry, Darling. Mm. All of that is 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 to say this. Um, on this show, of course, we love to talk about, obviously, I can tell by this crew that we could be here for an eight-hour segment. So <laughs> I want to jump directly to this idea of um, financial security and the reflection in how we give as queer it's people. It's 2022, Jonathan. Sexy financial topic. security does not exist. It does We're not going to work exist. until we die. Actually, yeah. I was thinking that the other day as I'm at my desk at work and I'm like, it's not true. So I can make everyone retire by the time they want to. It this just requires why. buying property. <laughs> and this okay. is true. It, it has been. I for mean, years. landlords are dirty, dirty people. Dirty. Oh, I'm you're kidding. A landlord, young man. I, you should just take care of your tenants <laughs> and everyone actually has a right? wonderful oh, life. Oh, and everybody's afraid to be a landlord in Washington. And the laws have changed and it is. Is they're changing back. Yeah, ish, it's a thing. Kind of. So first I want to ask you, Ian, you are in the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. Your world exists on how do I keep this going? I need donors. This is an, something important to you. But to do this, it's this balance between to continue to do the work, I have to have people giving. Have you noticed a change over the last couple of years? Oh, in, in terms of like, like the culture of giving or the yeah. amount of giving? The, the culture, the amount, that, yes, yeah. to those things. I will say yes in a couple different ways. So one of the ways a lot of the nonprofits I'm involved with get funded is through grants, right? Yes. Uh, so those might be city or state grants, which have more or less been the same and they are their own clustered mess. Right, yes. Because they're so complicated. Uh, but there's also community foundations and regional foundations, family foundations, all different kinds of things. Uh, a lot of those groups have realized in the last couple of years how ridiculous their structures are. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of me writing this multi-page grant and doing all this, frankly, ass-kissing uh, yeah. in advance of applying for this, um, they're finally just like, you know what? Keep it simple. Check in with us a couple times. Here's multiple years worth of funding. Oh, that's refreshing. Right? Wow. Like wow. logic applied to the private sector <laughs> and, and funding for grants? No. That's no, no, no. Crazy. We have to do it ass backward and waste thirty percent of the yes, money first. Right. And and hemorrhage <laughs> money. It requires more staff time on both ends to do all that ridiculousness. Right. And then the money's not actually being spent on the people we're all trying to help. It's, and on yeah, the structures it's we're man trying hours to help. figuring out where the money should go, which is just 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's um, and I have to say, from way back when I was in the nonprofit sector, that's a whole different world. Mm-hmm. That's that's so. In that, I'm. Are you feeling like because everybody's worried about the next you know year? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you confident that that's not going to have a huge impact on giving and charitable charitable things? Or I think some of the bigger institutions like the foundations. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. I'm not worried about those folks. Yeah. I am thinking that the, because a lot of nonprofits, like the one I work for and the one I, a couple of different boards I sit on, we also rely on those $10 a month, $200 a month yeah. donors that are households. They might have been participants or clients of the nonprofit they're now supporting, yeah. sort of a thing. And I think those are the folks that are going to realize I can pay my rising bills or I can donate money and yeah. I need to take care of myself. You have first. to find out where to cut. Exactly. I mean, KPX, we talked about earlier, their new building and everything. It was really the majority of that money was people who spend $10 a month on a membership. Yep. And they, they just were wise with their money and were able to build over the years. So they have this. So that is a very true statement that giving. So do you, so, so personal giving could be, impacted because of inflation and everything else that's going on but your foundations typically have that money already so but so you think it'll just rebalance that's the like the optimist in me is yeah. sitting with that right now if you ask me in three months six months i might change we my actually when you're bit. eating ramen so, one sudden yeah <laughs> exactly. i get it yeah. <laughs> you're like i can i only have this sweater and it's being eaten by moths i get it i get it Hope is always good. That's what mm-hmm, I will say mm-hmm. to that. Hope is good. Now, uh, Hunter, you're on another end of the spectrum because you are there is in a market that is expected to get hit pretty hard this year. But you're there at this in this financially uh, where people can get stable if they're able to do investments and properties. Tell me what you what you're experiencing and where do you think we are going with all the interest rate hikes and everything. So I think that the economy is quite literally on fire right now and has been for a while and we've been ignoring it, you know, that's interesting. And I think that we've really been ignoring it since 2008. Really. We've been ignoring it since 2004 and to condense a very long amount of information into a short amount of space. We had a lot of individual housing units for individual people. Now about 400,000 of those units are owned by 12 people. That might sound like a really shocking number, but it's not an exaggeration. That happened during the 2008 meltdown. We allowed vulture capitalists, the real landlords that we want to eat, the rich that we want to dismember at their feet and say, you don't get to participate in the society. They own too much. And I'm willing to just come out and say they own too much. I personally don't think any one person needs to own more than a billion dollars. If you own that much money, I'm going to take away your first billionth, and I'm going to give you a gold trophy, a solid 24-karat <laughs> gold trophy that yes. says, congratulations, you win society, you yeah. get a dog park. Here's where your dog park is. It's in, like, New York or something. Yes. Then, guess what? That person goes back to making money because yeah. they had lost track of how much money they had anyway. Mm-hmm. They want power to move forward. They want right. to be able to generate changes for the world. They don't need 16 more houses. They don't need 16,000 more houses. And they don't need 24.62% share of a thing that should be a bank that isn't a bank. And so what we're dealing with now is just kind of the leftover chaos of not putting that system back together. The government should have stepped in 
right. issued foreclosure loans and helped keep people in their houses. Yeah. Instead, they took the houses from people, said, you get to become renters, and we're going to give your homes to these 12 people over here. Mm-hmm. It's great because they've still been the people that have been running our finance sector for the last 12 years, right. regardless of if it's blue or red in the White House. So let's just be clear. It doesn't matter who's there. This they, is a different language. These are the happening. financial sectors that have been yeah. present here regardless, like since yeah. Bush. So We want you to think it's about these two parties in the White House, but it isn't. Well, it's it's just, easier to control you and to wreck things. It's by a lot easier to make it sound like I'm the asshole landlord. Me, yeah. little old me with three additional units that I rent yeah. out to humans and I respond to requests within 24 hours. Like yeah. I think I had something break in one of my units. The contractor was there this morning. It was right. less than a 16 hour response time. Yeah. So those are the landlords that we want to keep. We don't want Vanguard but how to buy do you? Properties. So how does... Uh, 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 let's say a new uh, homeowner wants to get in and buy a house that's affordable. How do those people get in the market now when it seems a lot of them already feel n- less hopeful? So six months ago, it was okay to be hopeless because any house that came on the market was selling for cash oh. or with an accelerated yes. down payment. It and was so insane. someone would say, well, oh, you listed it at two. I'll pay you three and I have an extra hundred grand. Yep. That's hard to participate in. But yes. if I look right now at a price point of someone who says I pay 1800 a month in rent, well, 1800 yeah. a month in rent right now with an interest rate is probably going to be a $300,000 purchase if you put three and a half percent down. Right. And so I'm asking people to say, save up 10 to 15,000. It seems insurmountable, but I promise it actually is possible. If you yeah. just start putting in 50 bucks a month and ignore it, you will eventually turn around in a few years and have that money. It does yeah. take time, but it takes intentionality. My yeah. first property that I bought, I bought with $8,000. It was not a sexy property. It needed a ton of work. I worked every day to make it into something. But when I finally sold it a year and a half later, after all of the sweat equity that I put into it, I had $150,000 that got to roll forward into a new project. So when you now write your I can book, do will you give me that? Because I need that help. <laughs> Jonathan, I've been saying, come into my office. You always complain. I, I have no money. I have no friends. <laughs> I can't buy a house. Yes, you can. How much money do you have? That's not what I said. I said I have no money. <laughs> I have no money. Yeah. So I think that realistically, the economy is shit right now. And it's going to yes. be shit for a while. Yes. But instead of sitting there complaining and whining about how shit it is, do something with it. Pick a direction. Find where the outtake is going to be and put one foot in front of another. I just bought a property that I honestly probably shouldn't have. I bought it at a good interest rate. It was one of my own listings and it wasn't selling. I probably should have taken that as a sign. And so (laughs) if no one else wanted it, why did I want it? Yeah. Because I can see the path forward. I yeah. know how I'm going to turn it into a good asset. Yeah. It's taken me a lot of time. I'm spending more money than I have right now. Yeah. But I can see the path. I'm very executed in what the steps are. And if I can just get through this next month, right. I can turn it into, into the Airbnb that I need. This is why I know you two were the right people to come on the show. Because what I find is it's very easy to spiral. Mm. It, I do it all the time. I'm really good at it. Uh, where you can take everything that's being thrown at you and all the negativity and all all the hopelessness and you can spiral out of control. But here's hope. Like you both are offering hope, not saying it's easy, which is very important, I think, for all of us to understand, but not saying it's impossible. Yeah, no, there's nothing that's going to be pleasant or fun over the next 36 months. Like I don't have any fun or good to tell you. (laughs) Interest rates are going up. Inflation is insane. It is a lie that we're in transitory inflation. Like, The M2 money supply is something that none of the listeners on this podcast know. But effectively, it's the amount of liquidity the world has. If we're going to measure wealth, it's the amount of tangible three-dimensional widgets that we have to measure how much wealth we have. 
we increased that supply by 32% in 36 months. That is three generations That's historically crazy. of money printing. Yeah. When I look at other historic history, I don't have precedent to say, well, in the 1300s in France, this happened. Right. I literally don't have historical context for 5,000 years. I, yeah. I can't find it. And so what's going to happen over the next 36 months? Pain. Lots yeah. of pain. Yeah. People who Someone's are not prepared for it will lose money. People yeah. who will lose their houses. Rents will increase. Cost of goods will go through the Remember roof. Remember how I said I'm really good at spiraling? <laughs> <laughs> this is spiral fuel right here. Right. This I've, is spiral fuel. I'm actually under the desk right now. You <laughs> exactly. can't see it. But, no, but the tr it's truth. But yeah. when you go to work, you focus on what you can afford. You really cut your budget. This yeah. is where th I think that human beings don't realize how much they can actually put up with mm -hmm. until yeah. it's just been taken away from them. Yeah. And when it's taken away, then you massively adjust. You don't suddenly turn into pixie dust and die. Right. You actually put up with whatever yeah. the new thing is. Yeah. And so I encourage people to put up with something of their own choosing. It's still yeah. hard. It's still difficult. Yeah. But, but go for a goal. Control. Yeah, yeah. Choose what you can control. Yeah. I think of it as the, the goldfish analogy. I do find, and it's because... I've lived in my car before when I was a young man. All the way, it, you grow to what you're able to. You're going to be fine. Did I survive and live? I did. Did I eat? I did. And then as I got jobs and as I got things that gave me more, as a goldfish, I, I grew to my environment. Mm. And it didn't... I have survived. Listen, this is what I tell myself all the time when I'm spiraling. You are 47 years old. You have obviously survived all the way. So something has always worked out. As long as you remember you're resourceful, you're a human being. You know what I mean? There's always a way. I'm pointing at Tom now, right? Yes. I just <laughs> want to yes. Here's the thing, Jonathan. <laughs> if I was dead broke right now, had to start my life over, and knew that I needed financial security, yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma will pay me $10,000 to move there right now. Yes, as I long as there. I have. Yeah. Well, but it was probably not wonderful when you lived there. I didn't hate it. Okay, great. Someone I, just asked me today. I'm like, yes, it's Oklahoma. You're I'm gonna be hearing backwards. it's the new mini L.A. Because all of oh, a whole bunch of well, no, but really, really, because no one can afford to, <laughs> to do in LA, and so yeah. Oklahoma City has a, a new music scene, great yes. nightlife, amazing yes. food. Yes. The yes. average demographic in Tulsa right now is 26. Yeah. So for me, if I'm going to a growing city, I get paid yeah. ten thousand dollars to move yeah. there, and I get to take my virtual job with me. Yeah. Guess what? I'm middle class baby, and I own a house. And <laughs> more of those people. So it always had this. Um, what I loved most about Tulsa, and they had it. It still has it. I still know people there. There is an undercurrent of culture there that is thriving and amazing, even under the oppression. But honestly, under oppressive uh, rules and things, you tend to have the best mm -hmm. uh, art and culture, right? Now just imagine a bunch of younger people moving there, then the balance can change. I mean, do it. look, there are countries that are paying you to move to them. I mean, people are trying to draw in those innovative people that want to help in life in a city. And I think, I mean, so that is hopeful. There are ways, there are these, these uh, stipends and things that you, that you can get. Doesn't, I feel like, do you have a book coming? Is that a thing? I probably you teach. should write one in all of the time that I have. Right. Well, <laughs> I know so much. You teach a lot of real estate stuff, but you could give a financial seminar and I will be there. Well, we're doing <laughs> monthly classes now. We actually just had our first one at Lumberbeard last night. Wait, and, monthly uh, classes on a real estate or on financial like, literacy and real estate as the vehicle well, because for well, me well, well. like 
you ask a stockbroker, how do you make money? They tell you buy stocks. You ask yeah. me, how do you make money? You <laughs> buy see. real estate. It's not because mm. one is right or the other is wrong. It's because it's what we know. But you seem to break it down. You know what I mean? That's what I'm after. Like, you can tell me to buy real estate and I will be over here going, I don't know how to do that. I told you I have no money. But you no tend friends. to have a way to break it down. Jonathan, what yeah. are you paying rent? Sorry to get personal. Right? Can it's I tell you, I am question. the luckiest man in the world. And uh, I won't say who my landlord is because he would hate that. But <laughs> I got here and, you know, there was when I moved here last year, it was July. There was a month waiting list for everything. This man gave me old school pricing at 900. Oof. I'm like, what's happening? And it's a pretty big plate. And I'm like, so I'm lucky and I know that I'm lucky. So I'm grateful for it. That's why I've been there, paid rent all this time. Um, but I know that I'm lucky. But at the same time, I'm looking at I'm going to need to buy. I want to buy a home. So you're, and I'm a planner, so I have a five-year plan and all that good stuff. But um, I, that's important to me because rent, eventually, listen, I'm not a younger man's game right now. It's important to look at your future and decide what does it mean to you? What does stability mean? You know, what does, uh, what does financial, we'll say financial okayness. I'm not shooting for the stars. What does that mean? But you have to make those decisions. I yep, think it's, well. it really is important. Right. I think you have a lot to say. And I know, I don't know, uh, all these gentlemen are very, very busy, but I love this conversation. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I went to Seattle and just had the greatest conversation with my friend who's a real estate over there about, about this whole so, market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the things I enjoy. So this has to be a to be continued because there's too much to talk about. I was going to say, if you have a, basically to boil it down, if you have a little extra money, Throw it at charity. You throw it at nonprofits. Please. If Please. you have a little bit more than that, invest in real estate, right? Yeah. yeah. And one of the rules I always have is a society, uh, the health of a society is judged by how they treat the least of them. And I think that's very true on so many levels. And so charity, as important as making money. And so after the, I'll come back in a few weeks and I'll be like, oh, well, Hunter just made me a multimillionaire. So, <laughs> I was going to say, I'll go live on the air right now and say, Jonathan, you owe me a meeting this week. <laughs> and by this time next year, you'll be sitting in your very See, own multiplex, probably c- living for free. You'll own this library. I've watched okay, this now, man folks, as he more does everything. I believe this is an believe expensive it. piece of building. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is, especially after everything they've done here. So uh, just gentlemen because i can't i don't want to to keep you hostage but i would if i could uh i want to thank you both for coming in and Mm -hmm. talking to us on this podcast we're gonna have to bring you back oh for sure because we need stage two Mm -hmm. i'm down i think that there's lots of uh, financial conversations to happen here especially between the nonprofit and the for-profit sides that's that's my favorite thing to see that bridge and i want to see how that i want to be a healthy individual i want to own property and i want to be able to help people i would argue that nonprofit organizations would have a bigger impact if they could be for-profit organizations and put their profits to better use if there was a way i know i used to think about that too how can you be this you know some, some of them do there are nonprofits in our town they have different that, arms that have real estate portfolios yeah. and mm-hmm. that's how they make so they don't yeah. actually go out and it's a and loophole that's, that's exactly what i was mm-hmm. thinking is that yeah. if i'm a nonprofit and i'm thinking how do i protect my funds yep. well i'm going to invest them that yeah. way i can pay what i need to out exactly. of those dividends and exactly. then i know that that's a stable nonprofit. Listen, people, you're listening to The Right Show. We give you everything. And uh, today, we give you how you can help people and make a better, be better, <laughs> to be better be best. Uh, your life. That's basically what we're doing. So thank you all so much for joining us. Remember, you can catch The Queer Centric every Tuesday at thequeercentric.com. If you ever want to be a part of the show, please reach out. Uh, and you can just email editor at thequeercentric.com. And until next time, bye. bye.